Uh, tonight we're going to be preaching a very hard message on the sin unto death. The sin unto death. And a lot of people think, am I own brother? A lot of people think, it's green. A lot of people think, okay, good. A lot of people think that that means you die and go to hell after you're saved. Well, that's impossible, and we'll show you that from the scriptures in a minute. But I want to finish the message I preached last week, and that's probably why the crowd's so low, because I preached so long last week. They can't. They said, man, if he's going to preach that long, I'll just stay at home. But um, I'm sure that's not the reason. But um, there's keys to answer prayer. We went over this last week in John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. <clears throat> it says, if we know that he hear us because we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. If any man see us, excuse me, and this is the confidence, verse 14, that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask. We know that we have the petition that we desire of him. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, <clears throat> He shall ask, and it shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that ye shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin unto death. Let's pray before we uh, <clears throat> try to teach this uh, very difficult passage, but a very powerful passage how to pray, how to effectively pray for the backslidden. Father, thank you for <clears throat> the message um, that we've heard in song. And Lord, I pray, dear God, that we'd take it serious about witnessing, being soul winners. Lord, I believe this is the greatest time of the year to be a witness. It's the greatest time of the year <clears throat> to uh, uh, tell people about Christ. So, Lord, help us to have holy boldness and compassion that makes a difference. And we're going to praise you and thank you, God, for what you do in this message because, Lord, we know the first thing about effective witnessing is it starts in effective praying. So, Lord, help us to learn to pray. Teach us to pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we uh, if you want to go back to the first slide, uh, Brother... <coughs> Joel, we see that uh, we need to pray in Jesus' name. And that's a fee, John 14, 13. That literally means his will, his character, his word, his glory. Second of all, we need to pray in the Spirit. John 14, 26. He is our teacher. He teaches us how to pray. And he is our escort. Definitely <clears throat> pray for one another because there's people that's being overcome and uh, some are sending the sin unto death. <clears throat> Some are under great chastisement because of uh, sin. Then we need to pray in obedience. Psalm 6, 18 says, With regard to iniquity in his heart, he'll not hear us. And we need to pray in the will of God. <clears throat> the word of God is the will of God, and he teaches us the will of God um, through the word of God. It may be too warm in here. Raise your hand. <clears throat> okay, great. Nobody's running a fever. That's a blessing. All right, then we pray in fellowship. Uh, John 14, 23 <clears throat> Excuse me. John 14, you got something stronger than I got. Okay. John 14, 23. We need to pray uh, loving one another. Mark eleven twenty five. 25. Then we need to pray in faith. 
<clears throat> Matthew 21, 22, 6, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. We need to please God. <clears throat> we need to do things that please God. What pleases God? Faith and fellowship. What pleases God? When we honor him because he's worthy of all honor. And then number eight, we need to pray obeying the word of God. And that's where we ended last week. Uh, and I want to read Proverbs 28, 9 and Proverbs 15, 9. Will you please turn to that? <clears throat> Proverbs 28, verse 9. Don't worry, I'm not contagious. This is sinuses. I'm allergic to something in this room. Goodness gracious. Pray for me as I try to preach. You know, I've been blessed with a good voice <clears throat> all my life. <clears throat> Somebody said I had a good voice for a radio and a face to match it for radio. <clears throat> and so I appreciate that compliment. But Proverbs, or you can not go to church and have your prayers answered. You got another thought coming. If you're able to come to church, and if you'll turn to the, your ear to hear the law, that means hearing, means faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, that's obedience. Obedience. So there's a powerful, powerful chapter about the divine importance of the couplet of the Word of God and prayer. you got to be obedient to pray. If you're living in sin, you cannot pray for your children. If you're living in sin, you can't pray for the lost. You can't pray for your wife. You can't pray for your husband. That's a tragedy if you cannot pray. And then I want you to look at Proverbs 15, 9. <clears throat> Make sure those are real poinsettias. That might be it. Proverbs 15, 9. Okay. <clears throat> the way of the wicked is abomination to the Lord, but he loveth him that followeth after righteousness. The Bible says the way of the wicked is abomination to the Lord, but he loveth him that followeth after righteousness. So the abomination means it makes God sick. And so the way of the wicked, you cannot have your prayers answered if you do not obey the word of God. And then uh, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15 <clears throat> about effect, effective praying. John 15, and I want you to look at verse 7 through 8. God's really answered some prayers this week. I mean, some big prayers. I mean, it's, it's tremendous. And we thank God for it. Uh, the little baby that um, uh, Steph adopted has, has come out of withdrawals and doing real good, sleeping at night. Just amazing. Probably what he needed the most was love. His um, mother forsook him and his daddy forsook him. And um, was on drugs the whole time he was in the womb. And he's, he's, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. And it's a miracle that um, uh, God has opened up a door for him to live in a Christian's home. So we thank God for that. And that's a big answer to prayer. Another answer to prayer, it's confidential, but you'll find out about it later. God truly blessed uh, a family uh, uh, with a great answer of prayer this week. So God answers prayer. And here's the, here's the criteria for answering prayer. John 15, verse 7. Let's take it in context. John 15, verse 7. Uh, this is a great chapter right before the Lord goes to Calvary. And we see that he gives last instructions to his disciples uh, he, sp he spoke this on the way to the garden 
and it's about the vine and the branches. Maybe he stopped by the side of the garden and saw a, a vine and, and, a, and a branch. And, and Words abide in you. Body abiding in you. And that means that you don't grieve the Spirit. And, and that's sin. Sin grieves the Spirit. It says you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. There, you're not God. He's God. You're a branch, and a branch must abide. And that means keep a flowing channel. There's a great song in our songbook, or it might be in our songbook. I know it was in my songbook when I was a child about being a channel of his blessing. I don't know if it's in there or not. But it's a great uh, definition of who a Christian really is. He's a channel. But if the channel is clogged, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. And herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. And so right after the answer of prayer, the Father is glorified. And that is the bottom line of prayers being answered, is you're praying and living for the glory of God. Now, if you're praying for your glory, uh, you won't have your prayers answered. If you're praying for your joy, you won't have your prayers answered. We need to pray for His glory, His honor. Hallowed be thy name. Thine is the power and the, of the kingdom and power and glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, we need to realize that God's glory is the ultimate purpose for your life. It's also the ultimate purpose for your prayer life. And so when a branch bears forth fruit, the vine gets the credit. When the branch abides and brings forth beautiful fruit, the fruit of holiness, the fruit of of good works, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the fruit of praise, all the fruit, the fruit of holiness. It's not uh, manufactured separation. It's yielding to God where you become so much like Jesus that God gets the glory. Um, I was watching a little TV Monday night, I believe it was. And it was about these people who are spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on Christmas lights, and I'm not going to preach against Christmas lights, amen, because I like them, but um, I'm going to tell you something, they had like 20 million lights, how in the world they counted them, I'll never know, and acres of lights, and they were trying to win this contest of the best lighted mansion, and it was unbelievable, and uh, God gave me a message on uh, the lights of Christmas, and that's us. We need to be brilliant testimonies. We need to be set up on a hilltop. And, folks, the greatest light that could come into somebody's life is your consistent, faithful prayers. Do Can you pray? So there's nine reasons uh, you ought to have your prayers answered, nine, nine requirements, nine keys. And the bottom line is found in... John 15, 7 and 8, that you abide in me, my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. He talks about abiding in me, and, and, and he casts forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them. In verse 6, verse 2, it talks about purging, God sometimes purges things out of your life. It's not just what's best, but what's better and what's for God's glory. So we pray for God's glory. We pray obedient. We pray to please God. 
And then next of all, I want you to notice verse 16 and 17 of our chapter. We're about to end 1 John. I'll preach next Wednesday night on why Jesus came, five verses out of 1 John. But I want you to go back to 1 John chapter 5. And the Bible says in verse uh, 16, it says, If any man see his brother's sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and it shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that ye shall pray for it. And then verse 17 uh, states this, that proves that there is no unpardonable sin that they're talking about. Some people think it's some particular sin because it says this, all unrighteousness is sin. And there is a sin not unto death. There's a sin not unto death. So I believe that verse 16 and 17 follows uh, verse 14 and 15, of course, on purpose, is that we ought to pray for brothers in sin. We ought to pray for sisters in sin. Number one, for the brother living in sin is in danger. Uh, sin means to miss the mark. It means come short of what God requires or God expects. Sin, the second word sin, is always used in a moral sense or a moral failure. And so it's not a particular sin, it's the attitude of, uh, that's in the sin. Some people sin so much, they become comfortable with sin. And they become uh, aggressive with their sin. And their sin kills them. There is a sin unto death. Uh, I believe that there is no sin that will uh, cause you to lose your salvation. We're, we have eternal life, and that eternal life is in Jesus Christ. But I believe there is a sin, or there's a state of sinning, where you sin so much, and you get so wicked, and so far away from God, that the Lord, Lord calls you home early. And you sit up in the corner, so to speak, in heaven, and behave yourself because you're blaspheming his name and you're, you're um, sinning so terribly that you're bringing reproach to God's name, he'll call you home. Uh, Hebrews 12, 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he scourge and chasteneth every son he receiveth. And so, friend, I want to say this. In putting verse 16 and 17 in context, we need to pray for those that are backslidden. Number one, they're living beneath their privilege. Um, we need to see the response that's seen in this prayer. It says we see more than once living in sin. The word see means habitual. We see somebody just going away from God. And I mean living a life of debauchery, uh, living a life that brings uh, uh, a reproach against, against, against the Lord. The return that is sought in prayer shall give him life. It says that he might give him life so, folks, we need to pray for the prodigal. We need to pray fervently for those that are out of the will of God. Number one, because they're miserable. Because out of the will of God, the wage of sin is death, but the wage of sin is, is distance and destruction and damage. Um, I heard Brother Kevin preaching today at uh, Count Rhino via uh, Internet, and he was preaching with an interpreter. I don't know why he's preaching with an interpreter. I guess he's preached in English so much lately. He needed an interpreter. But he was preaching on that famous passage on Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. That's why we need to pray for the backslidden. If you're out of the will of God, you need to ask God's people to pray for you and get a hold of yourself and come back to God before it's too late. God can send you home. 
God could uh, cause you to be a stumbling block. That's a terrible, terrible uh, plight to know that your life would send somebody to hell. And folks, I want to tell you something. You ask a lost person, they'll tell you what a Christian ought to be like. And if you're not like Christ, uh, they notice it. The Bible says in Galatians uh, 6, 7, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If if you sow to the flesh, you shall reap the flesh, reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit, shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. How many of you know someone that's sowing in the flesh? I mean, they're living for themselves. They're living in sin. And it's not just a once in a while sin. It's total sin. It's total debauchery. It's total pride. It's total self-centeredness. And I want to tell you something. They ought to realize and wake up, but everything's going wrong. Marriages are falling apart. Children are, are, are turning on them. And it's all because of sin, of sin. And so we need to have an intensity that should be conveyed in our praying for the prodigal. Number one, a sincere prayer asked. The Bible says we ought to, if any man see his brother's sin of sin, which is not in death, he shall ask. And that word ask means to beg. It means to uh, uh, crave. We ought to have an urgency about praying for those out of the will of God. We ought to, we ought to not forget them. We ought to rescue them. We ought to plead with them. It's not just a casual being out of church because the seriousness, a serious objective in the prayer is this, there is a sin in death. There is a sin in death. How many times have you heard about this? Somebody dying drinking, that's a sin in death. Uh, Dying young, Um, suicides rampant with our teenagers, that's a sin in death. Uh, sin will drive you crazy. Uh, especially Christians, it'll drive you crazy because you know better and you're never fulfilled and you're caught in between and you're, you're tossed to and fro and you're uh, pulled in two directions and your life is, is, is just futile and all unrighteousness is of sin. That refutes the, that one sin that you can commit. It's all unrighteousness sin. There's not an impartable sin because the Bible says if your brother, your brother, I turn to 1 John 1, 9, if that brother will come back to God and pray this prayer, what's the Bible say? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. Hey, there's hope for every sinner. There's hope for every prodigal. There's hope Every person that's out of the will of God that has not committed the sin unto death. Now, if they've committed the sin of death, they're gone. Uh, they're in heaven if they're saved. They're in hell if they're not. But I want to tell you something, friend. We ought to get an urgency about reaching those that are in our sphere of influence that are living in sin because of the seriousness of the sin unto death. It's, it's this sin unto death is a physical death. And there's many illustrations of that I'll give you in just a moment. We'll skip on down to interrogation that is condemned because I want you to notice in verse 16 of 1 John chapter 5, the Bible says, If any man see his brother's sin of sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask and shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There's a sin of death 
I do not say that you shall pray for it. Now, folks, what that prayer, that second word prayer means is integrate or judge. Um, we are not God. Uh, we're only God knows what that sin and the death is in their life. Uh, we are to pray for one living in sin. We are to pray fervently. Um, their life is on a slope, slippery slope. And one sin leads to another. Ask David. His adultery led to murder. And folks, there's a wonderful solution to this whole problem. And that is found in verse 18. It says, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Verse 19, it says, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. There's three enemies that you need to pray for anybody out of the will of God to realize. Christians do not practice sin. In other words, sin is an exception, not a profession. Abraham lied, but he wasn't a liar. Noah got drunk, but he wasn't a drunkard. And I believe with all my heart that Christians face three enemies that you ought to know very well is the enemy of every Christian that's trying to get back to God. Number one, the world. The world. In verse 19 it says, The world lieth in all wickedness. Well, folks, it not only lies in wickedness, it is the prince and power of this world that tries to rule. And folks, there's a darkness, a darkness. Uh, how blind can people be? I'll tell you how blind they can be. They can be blinded by the devil and their whole lifestyle and their whole priorities and their whole parameter of thinking is so wicked. I mean, how in the world can anybody justify killing a baby? But this is a wicked world. And the United States is the best nation in the world. And we're trying to... Um, protect uh, the mother and not protect the unborn baby. And we, and we call that good politics. No, I call it wickedness. I call it a world philosophy. The Bible says life begins at conception. And folks, we ought to stand for that. But folks, I want to tell you something. The reason that they're doing this, we need to pray for an enlightenment. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, some powerful, powerful verses on where the world's at and why people are sinning rampantly uh, today. 4.4 says, uh, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them. The God of this world, little g, which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And then it says, For we preach, not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord ourselves your service for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Folks, the world's blind. And the verse 3, I didn't read that, it says, And if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world has blinded the mind. People are in darkness. And folks, I want to tell you something. Any Christian that goes back in that darkness, 
dare a stumbling block. There ought to be a light out of the tunnel. There ought to be a stepping stone out of that deep sin. And folks, that's why it's so dangerous to backslide to the point that God has to call you home early because you're blaspheming God's name and you're living in such rampant sin that sometimes the judgment is this. He just lets sin take its course. He says, go ahead and kill yourself because you're going to do it. With drugs, drinking, wickedness. And so the world's blind. The world's blind. The world's dead, Ephesians 2.2. We're dead in our sins and trespasses. And then the second enemy, not only the world, that's what the devil uses. The world tries to make the world attractive to you. But Satan is our enemy. There's one enemy, the world, then Satan. And Satan works this way. Genesis chapter 3 lies. He deceives Christians. I'm going to tell you what he says to backsliders. You don't need that church crowd. You don't need to go to church every day. You don't need to go to church every service. You just need to go when you feel like it. And you need to go um, once in a while. And you become casual and callous and laid back. And other priorities come in, in the way. And the devil lies and says this is not really important. It is important. It's the utmost important. The devil's a liar. He's a father of all lies, John 8, 44. And he is... He had deceived Eve and Adam, your great-grandparents, and he can deceive you into thinking that the world's fun and that sin is fun, and it is fun for a season. Uh, the world's an escape. It is for a while, but when you come back, it's the worst prison you'll ever be in, and that's the prison of sin. And then look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11 in closing. I won't be long tonight. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 <clears throat> and uh, verse um, <clears throat> 1 through 3. Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you a chaste virgin to Christ. You're his bride. And folks, I'll tell you, when a bride commits adultery, she's in trouble. The marriage is in trouble. Look at verse 3. But I fear lest by any means, <clears throat> as the serpent beguiled Eve through subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus. And so here's preaching, here's Sunday school, here's church that destroys the lies of hell that are pre, uh, dominant in this world, the world says you don't need Jesus. The world says Jesus is not real. The world says that church is not necessary. The world says eat, drink, and be merry, and just party all the time. And folks, I want to tell you something. There are some people that need to grow up as Christians because they're still fooling around, carnal, wicked, trying to live all the gusto they can and they find out the dregs in the bottom of the cup are terrible. Payday someday. Your sins will find you out. As Brother Kevin preached today, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And I want to say what the Bible says in the Old Testament, I believe it's Ecclesiastes. If you reap the wind, you'll reap, if you sow to the wind, you'll reap the whirlwind. Amen.
Folks, you'll sow, uh, hey, listen, a farmer knows this. You sow something, he expects to, more to come up than one seed. And folks, you sow to the corrupt world system. And you let Satan use his lies on you and deceive you and, and bribe you with the things of this world. And he'll make you rich. He'll make you famous. But what do you have if you don't have Jesus? If you're not in the will of God, you have no peace, you have no purpose, you have no power because you're out of the will of God. And it's sad that a lot of rich people think they don't need God. I tell you, it's easy to witness to poor people because they know they need something. But rich people sometimes are hard to reach. Thank God for all you rich people here tonight. I mean, you know, thank the Lord. But I'm going to tell you something. Uh, you go knock, knock on doors in Mount Sinai. I've done it. I've talked to dogs. I've talked to speakers. I've talked to maids. I've talked to butlers. But I ain't talked to the man of the house. But I want to tell you something. I find out a lot of times in those mansions, there's some broken hearts. And there's some broken marriages. And there's kids that are wild as a wet setting hen. I mean, they ain't got no morals. They ain't got nothing about them that, that, that's attractive. And they've lost it all through the bribery of this world. Satan lies. Then number two, Satan uses physical suffering. Job, Paul said uh, the, he was buffeted in the flesh by Satan. And Job... Um, was attacked by Satan with God's permission. And folks, the Bible says his grace is sufficient. And I want to be honest with you, and I'm going to give you the number one uh, thing that the devil uses, but the devil can use discouragement. Amen. I want to tell you something. There's a lot of people that fell out of church because they lost a baby. There's a lot of people that fell out of church because they lost a husband or a wife. There's a lot of people it's fallen out of church because they lost their health and they blame it on God and they shake their fist at God. That's exactly what the devil wants. He wants you to be a bitter person. We need to pray for the bitter. Amen. We need to pray for those that are bitter, not just at each other, but at God. We need to love them. We need to show them the light. And folks, this world has a lot of options. A lot of alternatives. Alternative lifestyles, what they call homosexuality. It's not an alternative lifestyle. It's wicked. It's abomination. It's ungodly. Amen? You won't hear that on Capitol Hill much. But praise God, it's the truth. Because the Bible says it is. And so there's physical suffering. But here's the number one sin the devil uses. David's a perfect example of it. First Chronicles 21, he numbered the people, saying, what a great kingdom I built. And God struck him down and 70,000 people I believe died and that's pride why was he not on the front lines when the uh, army went back to fight after the spring rains because the chariots had all mogged down so they, they took a break they took a siesta they took a, a, a sab sabbatical from their war but folks instead of going back he said I don't have to go back I'm the king around here and he was at the wrong place looking at the wrong woman that wasn't his wife, and he sinned a great sin. Why? Pride. I'll do what I want to do. And you know, I'm going to tell you something. God knocked the pride right out of him. Psalms 32, Psalms 51. And so, folks, pride. So you got the world, you got Satan, and then you got the flesh. 
Look at First John three nine. We'll try to close this. First John three nine. Back in John, I hope you've enjoyed the book of John as much as I have. First John, I really enjoyed it. I've really got a lot out of it. It's the real life. It's the fellowship life. It's the sweet fellowship life. Oh, if people could just read this whole book every day, they'd come back to Jesus saying, I'm missing it. Out of fellowship. Out of fellowship. Have you ever not spoken to your husband or wife for a few minutes because you're mad at each other? How did you feel? Now don't say relieved. How did you feel? It was, a little, it was a little cold, wasn't it? It was a little sad, wasn't it? I mean, you live in the same house, you're not speaking. What kind of adult is that? I've been there, done that. You have too. I guarantee you have because I know, some, I know some of y'all and who you live with. But I want to say this, friend. To be out of fellowship with God is far worse. Not on speaking terms. Not on praying terms. My word. Folks, we're in such a crisis we need to pray for our nation every day. We need to pray for our families every day. And I guarantee you there's one person in your family that's a long ways from God and you need to be on praying ground. You need to be on praying ground. And if you're not on praying ground, it's your fault. And I want to tell you something, that person will eternally be sad and maybe even send the sinner to death and go home early. God will have to kill them or allow them to be killed by their own sin. So the wage of sin is death, but it's a lot more than that. And folks, I want to tell you something. Some people are killing their kids' future of any kind of sanity. They'll have such a complex against the opposite sex, no wonder they turn queer. Because they see fussing and fighting and hurt and rebellion and bitterness every day of their life. Daddy walks off and never comes back to see them. What kind of image is that of a father? It's rampant in the United States. It's unbelievable. It's an epidemic of families breaking up. Don't you be a part of that system called the world. The flesh. The flesh will get you in trouble. The devil made me do it. Flip Wilson made that famous a long time ago. Some of y'all don't know who Flip Wilson is. I try to forget who he was. But folks, the devil didn't make you do it. You did it. He tempted you, but we're drawn away by our own lust, James chapter 2, or 1, James chapter 1. He puts the bait. He knows exactly how to bait it. He entices you, and then sin leads to destruction, and destruction to death. I believe that's in James chapter 1. But I want you to look at 1 John 3, 9. 1 John 3, 9. The Bible says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. That threw me for many years, but that means sin habitually they do, you don't live in the in the in a sin and i want to tell you something if you do and you're saved you are going to be chastened or you're illegitimate hebrews 12 6 through 8 and i want to say this friend here's the next hope doth not commit sin for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he's born of god Folks, the seed of the Holy Spirit cannot sin. So it's a matter of who you yield to is how you live. You can yield to the flesh or you can live to the divine, yield to the divine nature, 1 Peter chapter 1, in your heart. The Holy Ghost lives in your heart. 
That ought to give every person hope to pray for your son or daughter that you know say, but they're so far from God, they won't even come to church and they won't read their Bible. 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he. It says, you are God, little children, childlike faith, and I have overcome them because greater is he that is what? In you than he that is in the world. Boy, there's hope over the flesh. There's hope over the devil. And praise God, there's hope. There's hope. For those that we love. That the world's got them hooked. The flesh, they live by it. And the devil is deceiving them. And even blinding them. And they're living like they've never been saved. How does a believer keep from sinning? Well, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says he gives us a way to escape. It's Jesus. 1 John chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. First John, you with me, brother? The next one. 1 John 2, um, 13 and 14. The Bible says this. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I've over, you overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. You have known the Father. But look at verse 14. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. There it is, overcome the wicked one. Do you know somebody that the wicked one's overcoming? It might be you. I mean, you just get overcome by grief. You get overcome with anger. You get overcome with all this jealousy, and you get overcome with all uh, this world's philosophy. You get overcome by the music of the world and the habits of the world and the lifestyle of the world. Folks, you shouldn't be overcome. You ought to be an overcomer, 1 John 5, 4 and 5. The warning is there is a sin in the death. Sin can lead to other sins. Sin can lead to death. You say, well... I know about Korah in Leviticus chapter 10, 1 through 7. They died, the whole group. I know about Achan. He had that uh, forbidden, killed him on the spot. What about the New Testament? Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, Acts chapter 5. And then the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 30, many of the people were sick and slept because they took the Lord's Supper unworthy. They were actually getting drunk around the Lord's Supper. And then during the love feast, they were showing off their food and and it was just a, a, a debauchery and, and uh, suing each other and uh, adultery in the church of Corinth that Paul started. I don't know why anybody would name their church Corinth Baptist Church. I knew one Corinth Baptist Church, and Brother Don Richards down in Stone Mountain, Georgia, and he says, this is Corinth Baptist Church of the second epistle. Amen? Because the first epistle is a judgment. The second epistle is a sweet, kind rescue of a church. And so what am I saying this morning? What's the scripture saying this afternoon? It's saying there is a sinner to death. But you ought to pray. You ought to pray for those that have not committed the sinner to death, but they're on their way. And they're going down the steep slope, slippery slope of sin. And they're ruining their life, and they're ruining everybody's life they touch. And they're just as happy as, they, as you think they can be. But inside... They're a broken heart. Inside, they're empty. 
inside. They're in the targets of judgment from God Almighty. Let's pray. Father, help us to pray for the wandering. Help us, dear God, to pray for those that are in danger. I wish everybody in this church could have heard this message tonight. Not because it's a preach good, but dear God, it's such a powerful scripture to warn us there is a sin unto death. There is chastening. Lord, there is a payday someday for sin. And God is just, and he is truth. And he said, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Lord, I pray for crop failure in a lot of Christians' lives that I know. Because they're sowing to the flesh. They're sowing to the world. And they're sowing to to Satan and don't even realize it. Their life is a wreck. And their life is in danger. Lord, we ought to care enough for them to be on praying ground so we can pray for them. They might not even feel condemned over their sin, but it's not where they feel condemned over their sin. It is, is it sin? according to the word of God. God, may we pray for enlightenment. Pray for conviction. Pray that they'll wake up. Pray that they'll live up to their calling of being a Christian before it's too late. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there might be some watching by way of internet today that are out of the will of God. This is a warning to you that it's urgent that you get back to God that you get out of the pig pen of sin it's quicksand it's dangerous it's sinking sand you can come back to God if you'll only confess and repent of your sin and realize where you're at but all we that are here we need to be prayer warriors we need to pray as we've never prayed before for our loved ones for our children for our for our mates for our uncles and aunts, for our nephews and nieces that are so out of the will of God. Their life reeks with the rebellion against God and they just think it's status quo and it's what everybody's doing. We ought to be be broken hearted for them. Let me say, preacher, the Lord's laid on my heart some folks tonight that I love very much so far out of the will of God and I want to pray for them and I want you to pray that I would be the testimony the brilliant light for Christ in their life that would be salt that whet their appetite for Christ and that's my prayer tonight I want you to pray with me for them would you slip your hand up on behalf of them and yourself to be the kind of prayer warrior you need to be all over this place. I think it was everybody in this room raised their hand, including myself. Because we all know someone that hadn't sinned the sin unto death because they're still alive. But they're way out of the will of God. And they're in dangerous, dangerous territory. Father, thank you for the meeting tonight. I didn't feel like being here, and a lot of people didn't feel like being here. But, God, we don't go by feelings. We go by faith. Lord, I preach by faith. I pray, dear God, that we would tell the world 
that we're a Christian by our prayer life, and by our separation, and by our appetites, and by our faithfulness. God, make us more faithful in these last unfaithful days that somebody might see Christ in our life. Lord, I pray for each loved one. Lord, I don't know their name. I know a lot of folks here, they're burdened. And I bear that burden with them. But Lord, I pray, dear God, that the prayers will travel wherever they might be right now. That the Holy Ghost would touch their heart. And they'd realize how far, far away from God they are. And how many souls they're dragging with them. And God, they'd wake up. They'd look up. They'd see Christ and see, 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 and see, dear God, your love and see you still standing there with open arms to greet them back if they'd only come. So, Lord, help us. Help us to know how to pray. Lord, help us to be prayer warriors and help us, dear God, to continue to pray for our loved ones. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.